2: Hey everybody, what is going on? It is almost time for week nine and it's Wednesday and you know what that means. It is time for Roto Worlds DFS pick six presented by Roto Grinders. I'm Eric Crane. You see the new haircut, you see the new beard. Well, I went as Halloween, I went on Halloween as Rich Rebar. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I love it man I love it and if if, if you win as me you you win, you win as a guy with, with fatter pockets after last week we talked about you know Juju Schuster on the way out the door being a direct pivot from Josh Jackson, and the Potter Familius uh, you know that is on the show with us was early in the week text me and was out at a Houston Seattle game and it ended up being the hottest game of the year so I mean hopefully you had some sacks uh, because you know when he first texted about that game I was like oh I don't know you know, it was a clear, like, clear regression spot for Houston. He's like, no, 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 man. And we we talked it out on the show. And we, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of Watson, but I had a lot of Wilson, Hopkins, and Jimmy Graham sacks. Yeah. I had uh, a nice. So, uh hey. you know, that's why we have the, the big dog on the show, man.
2: That's right. And speaking of the big dog, we got him right here. Evan Silva, what's up, buddy?
3: What's up, man? What's up? We This, this has been a crazy, like, it seemed like it started with that game. And this has been, like, some of the, the most exciting, like last four days, uh, in, you know, since I've been covering the NFL, I mean, we get Josh Gordon opens up in December, <laughs> the trade deadline, things actually occur the at the trade deadline, deadline. deadline. I know it was awesome. Um, I mean, it's just been, you know, the, I'm very unfortunate about the Browns, you know, I think we should talk about them, uh, you know, when we get to our trade deadline segment, but, uh, you know, it's been an exciting four four days here. Uh, and, and it began with that Texans Seahawks game. What what a blast that game was mm-hmm. to watch just up and down bombs. I mean, it's like every throw Russell Wilson drops back to attempt is a, he's looking to throw it 40 yards downfield. Yeah, he's I mean, like
2: the best Madden player ever.
3: <laughs> he's on pace for career highs and like every statistic. I mean, he's He's right up there, I think, right now for MVP conversation. Uh, we'll, we'll see if he can keep it going. But usually when Russ gets hot, you know, he'll go through stretches where it just seems like nothing's working. But when Russ gets hot, he stays hot, man. And I, I think he's going to stay hot.
2: Yeah, and he was somebody we were all over. We did some shows preseason talking about best ball drafts and whatnot. And he was somebody, Rich, that I know all three of us were targeting really heavily later in drafts
1: yeah i mean we've talked on the show and we're gonna talk about seattle uh at, at some point in the show too but they finally have been forced to their hands been forced because they can't run the ball we've talked about it at length in the preseason what they need to do is what they've been doing the last two weeks you play open you play it spread you take these shots downfield that, i mean now they're gonna have dwayne brown like a legit offensive lineman which is a big boost you know to to russell wilson and taking those air raid shots they've got um uh, the NFL network has dubbed, you know, Paul Richardson, the new Brandon Lloyd. And that's, this couldn't be a better, better comp. Like this guy just makes circus catches on, on the regular every week. That's a
3: great but, comp. That's wow. a,
1: I hadn't heard that one. I love it though. Yeah. That was a uh, Kyle Brandt on good morning football. Uh, well done. Dubbed him that, and that was, that. I thought that was just beautiful. That was so, so perfect. Uh, but I mean, yeah, we talked about them not, instead of just playing this old Seahawks way, they need to give the keys over and play open. And if they ever could get, pro size on the field for longer than five minutes i mean he would make this team a lot better too
3: oh wow yeah see they still have untapped upside dude yeah for yep. sure
2: yeah i'm a big fan of the seahawks and yeah for the last if they would have
1: traded if they would have traded jimmy graham i would have lost lost it though I
2: yeah
3: but but they just acquired this new left tackle and if they could ever just get three or four games in a row out of pro size i mean I-
2: Evan, I swear to God, I thought you were about to say they just signed this, they just got this new left tackle, and if they could ever get three or four other offensive linemen,
0: (laughs) I swear
2: (laughs) I'm going with that. (laughs) Oh, but yeah, no, Dwayne Brown's going to be a huge addition to the Seahawks. We'll talk to them about them first. Let's first, I'll tell you what, let's go to our first game. We're going to talk about the team from the other side of that great Seahawks game last week Colts at the Texans. It's a 49 point total. Texans, 13 point favorites. Evan, uh, Deshaun Watson, have you heard anything about him? recently?
3: Yeah, I, I think he's he, he's playing well. Oh, yeah, every single day, every single day. <laughs> I mean, even after I you know, a- apologized incessantly for being wrong about him, uh, I, I still get crap every day about it. But it, it's whatever. I mean, the dude is just fun to watch at this point. He is he has a special ability. Bill Bryan called it an ability to compartmentalize because he's not a perfect player by any means but he has this ability to when he makes a mistake or when he makes a bad throw and he makes a lot of bad throws. I mean, pro football focus did a charting of him and he, you know, he just, he makes a lot of negative plays, but he will bounce back like the next play. And he's just always in super aggressive playmaker mode. And uh, he has, I mean, he's just, he's a natural and um, he's the best quarterback play on the slate this week. Of course, he's super, super expensive, but I think that there are enough value plays on this slate that if you want to try to jam him in and maybe even do a Texans onslaught, I think that that's in play this week. I think that the guy who may go overlooked is Lamar Miller, who last mm-hmm. week uh, destroyed in terms of workload. Uh, he was eighty per, 87% of the snaps, 24 touches. Dante Foreman was scaled back. We may see more Dante Foreman uh, this week. Uh, but, I mean, Lamar Miller has been – You know, his his outlook has been raised. I mean, it was looking bleak for him there for a while. And his outlook has been enhanced significantly in what is now a shootout offense. And it's a shootout team because their defense isn't good either. They don't have a lot of good players on defense.
2: Well, they did. Uh, They all got hurt.
3: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So, uh, and, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, the best wide receiver play on the slate. I think Will Fuller is like top five. You, you know, uh, against the Colts, um, so I think an onslaught is absolutely in play here. This game's total is at 49, and it's taken some hits to the over. Uh, it opened at 48. It's at 50 in a couple in a bunch of spots, and 49 or 49 and a half in most spots. So, uh, and I I think that the Colts can answer here too. Uh, I, I would like to get Reeves take on the the Colts offense. I think the Colts offense is really underrated. I should I should note that T. Y. Hilton's price on both sides, on both sides, is super, super appealing.
2: Forty nine hundred over on DraftKings when he should see a ton of targets. I fell for him last week at fifty six hundred or whatever it was. Reeves, when I look at Hilton especially this week. I'm just—I mean—they're going to have to throw the ball 35 plus times. We can expect Hilton, I think, to see at bare minimum seven of those targets. And for that price, with his upside, I think we just roll with him.
1: Yeah, I think there's, I don't think there's a lot of real cheap wide receivers I love. He's, he's one that I think is, is when you're talking about potential target value, Jonathan Joseph didn't practice uh, today as well. So I mean, it could be another Texans defender that's out, you know, they tried to trade for a slot guy in Jeremy Lane, uh, didn't work out for them. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he's gonna be a guy that you, you don't want to push the button on, but we've already seen twice this year when he's had like a favorable outlook, he has shown he has a ceiling still. It's, they've had a really hard schedule. He, he in particular has had a really tough schedule in terms of individual cornerback matchups. Um, and he, and it showed in, in the results. I mean, Jim, Jacoby Brissett's just not a guy that can get him quality targets against quality defenders. I mean, if you saw like the, if you watched the game last week, he had a couple catches right away, but he's got a catch on the sidelines. That's, that's tough. Uh, like, you know, that he can't fit in. He's got another catch down the scene. Like Jacoby Brissett's just not that type of quarterback that can, that can that can enhance like a poor matchup, but or, or a tough matchup. Uh, but he's the guy that has shown twice now uh, against Cleveland and San Francisco. If the matchup is right, there's a, still a ceiling there. Over 150 yards in both those games receiving. Uh, the, We know the splash play upside exists. I think Jack Doyle too. I mean, a lot of people are going to call it point chasing, but it's really not. If you look at Jack Doyle's game log, he's been the most consistent target for the Colts. Uh, He's been the guy getting the most targets to the Colts. He has 32 targets over his past three games since returning from that concussion. Houston has a lot of tight end one in uh, three of their past four games they've been a target for tight ends it's why we wanted to play Jimmy Graham last week we talked about it this is a game where you it has a, oodles of stacking potential like you know Evan was alluding to those are probably the only two guys I would entertain from the Colts but I mean I think that they're guys that will probably go overlooked outside of you know people highlighting you know Hilton's price
2: yeah I feel like he's getting a lot of buzz early in the week who yeah. knows maybe as the week goes on that's gonna decrease a little bit. And if that happens, Evan, we could see T.Y. Hilton in a just a smash spot at I don't think low ownership, but I think we could get him at lower on lower owned than what he should be.
1: People are still gonna be tar darn gonna to play tons of him, tons of him in cash.
2: I, I think he's a you cash think? block.
1: Is that wrong? No, on, DK, I
3: would on DK, I don't
1: I don't think he's a. I don't think he's he's just a, a pencil in on Vandal though.
2: Yeah, no.
3: I, I'm
1: looking
2: at the DK pricing at forty nine hundred right now. Yeah. Here. Uh, it's just way too cheap. And on the Texans side, I know, Evan, you already mentioned it, Rich. When I look at this offense, I see Deshaun Watson is airing it out. I think the big problem people are going to have stacking up this Texans offense it's the prices. We already mentioned that Deshaun Watson, he's 8,100. He's the most expensive quarterback on the slate. And then DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, just being price prohibitive, he's 9,200. I'm going to have a lot of trouble stacking up this game just because of the price. Reeves, do you think it's worth it?
1: I mean, yeah. Team allowing the most points in a game in the NFL, on the road, Uh, and then when you look at how the Colts are allowing points, it is exactly right into what Houston is excelling at on offense, the Colts have allowed the most touchdowns from outside the red zone. Uh, that's the most in the, in the NFL. Deshaun Watson has the most touchdown passes from outside the red zone. Will Fuller has the most touchdown catches from outside the red zone. Twenty-five percent of completions of the Colts have gone for twenty or more yards. It's the highest rate in the league. Twenty-two percent of Watson's completions have gone for twenty yards. It's the highest rate in the league. It just the symmetry is here uh, all over for what the Houston wants to do as an offense and what the Colts are allowing teams to do defensively.
2: So, Evan, what do you think about, like, this Colts side? Because we just kind of touched on the Texan side where it's just got oodles of upside. Is it Doyle and is it Hilton for you?
3: Yeah, it is. And one other note I wanted to make about T.Y. Hilton. So, um, if you look at his indoor versus outdoor splits, and, I mean, he is a, you know, a speedster quickness receiver. And his indoor versus outdoor splits in his career are huge. That's why you shouldn't have played him last week in Cincinnati, uh, uh, Crane. Can I not just half
2: the show with computer problems, I would have known that.
3: Good point. Uh, (laughs) So, indoors in his career, T.Y. Hilton, five catches for 82 yards, uh, 0.43 touchdown probability. Uh, On the road, uh, or I'm sorry, outdoors, uh, 4.1 catches for 61 yards, 0.24 touchdown probability. So, I mean, he's just, he's a dude that you want to play indoors on a track. I think uh, NRG Stadium does have technically grass uh, field or about as close uh, to it as you can get. It's a a retractable stadium. Uh, But he also has a great uh, history against the Texans. And we just saw what the two perimeter receivers for the Seahawks did. They both smashed this defense, Tyler Lockett and Paul Richardson. So, you know the the Colts OC Rob Chudzinski should be able to see that on tape, and so then he should show Jacoby Brissett. And I'm, I'm with you that technically Jacoby Brissett is not really like an outside the numbers passer right now. He's more of a middle middle of the field passer right now. Um, but I mean, there are things that they can they like they know that they need to get him the ball. They even came out and mm-hmm. said it publicly this week that they need to get Ty Hilton the ball, whether that means giving him more slot routes or, or what have you. They need to get the ball to this dude, especially after there were rumors that they would trade him, which that to me may point. never made any sense. I mean, this is a young receiver that you build around. You have him on a pretty good contract. You know, I I'm surprised that there were reports about that. The The reports about them trying to trade Moncrief did make some sense because he's in a contract here and he's been disappointing, but they probably only get like a, a seven for him at this point. Uh, so, I think they're going to get the rock to T.Y. Hilton. I think he's underpriced on both sites, particularly on DK, but I think on FanDuel as well at 6,600. And he's the way that you bring it back on the game stack. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. yeah.
2: Yeah. Are you into I
1: was
3: just, like, Absolutely. I, was,
2: I swear to God, I was just about to ask <laughs> that. I'm like, how much do we want to gamble in this spot?
1: Well, absolutely. I don't know if Brissett's a guy that is is a guy you want to – I don't know if he has the type of ceiling in tournaments that you want. I mean, he had that huge game against the Browns. Uh, but he's been more... He had a I think big game game the 49ers, play. too, man. Yeah, yeah that's he, true.
2: You know, the thing is, with you say upside in tournaments, you don't need the highest-scoring quarterback. That's
1: true. Like, if you're for, paying up, you're,
2: you need the highest-scoring yeah. win. If you're paying down, you're right. you need a really great point per dollar, and then those expensive guys need to crush. So, I, I don't know. I think Brissette's and play. Evan, what do you think?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. I, when, I, when I made my initial uh, cash game build on FanDuel, and, I mean, I'm probably not going to play him uh, in cash on FanDuel, but he, he was in it, uh, and I mean, uh, you know, uh, over the course of the week, I, I discovered, like, a little bit more uh, value, and we'll, we'll get to some of those plays. But one thing that I like about him is that the Texans have given up the six most rushing yards to opposing quarterbacks. Brissett is sixth at his position in rushing attempts, and he's tied for first in rushing TDs. You know, if he throws for two and runs for one, which is very con- – You're printing. You're, You're printing. printing. Yeah. You're printing. He's going to be low-owned. He's in the third highest total game on the slate that could could go higher. Uh, he's playing indoors. You don't have to worry about all this weather crap. Uh, and, I mean, everyone's going to like Doyle and uh, and Hilton this week. And so, you know, who's going to be chucking them the rock? It's going to be Jacoby <laughs> Brissett, who has a lot of mobility and is facing a defense that has been giving up a lot of rushing stats to quarterbacks
2: all right I, I can get behind some Jacoby anytime I get to save money at quarterback I like it especially if I get 20 points for that price he's 5.2 okay yeah. I'm doing backflips not literally that would not be fun. all right let's talk about the next game is Washington <laughs> at Seattle total of 45 Seattle seven point favorites Rich are we going back to the well with Russ?
1: are we going back to who
2: the well with Russ
1: Oh, anytime, anytime you want to play Russell Wilson, man. He's got 25 or more fantasy points in four of his past five games. I mean, he's now third in the league in touchdown passes since week two, and that's with a bye week. I mean, he like we talked about, the offense is finally his, and when he gets hot, we saw his ceiling is as high as it gets. Uh, you know, for for fantasy purposes. So I mean, yeah, definitely go back to to Russ. I think the obvious play is to go back to Jimmy Graham. I mean, it's just another smash spot for Jimmy Graham. Washington is allowing the most yards per game to tight ends. Jimmy Graham leads the NFL with eight targets inside the five yard line since he joined Seattle previously. Uh, he had just three such targets. It was a big complaint. You know, they're, they're, the Seahawks aren't even using him when they get down here. Well, not, this year they are. He's getting he's getting those looks. So I mean, he's he's affordable too on both sides. I mean, it's not hard to fit Jimmy Graham in um i I think that he's those are the two obvious guys the the receivers get a little trickier i still believe in doug baldwin and his his upside he's got 22 targets and 15 receptions coming out of the bye. he will have a favorable matchup um when we're just talking about the layout here washington has limited wide receiver production a lot but he'll be in the slot for about 70 percent of the time lockett gets in the slot a little bit as well he'll probably see norman the most by default but he does he will have a shot to make plays he's had the lowest floor of the group um so far this season where it's up and down. And Paul Richardson is like the, the home run guy now. When you look at it, I mean he's gonna be outside on Breeland and Norman for about ninety percent of his routes, but he's got five of the seven wide receiver touchdowns on the team. He is clearly the guy that Russ trusts to make like tight throws to. So I mean he's he's only gone over three receptions in two games now. So I mean there's a low floor there. But we're talking about touchdown upside. He's the touchdown play of the group, obviously.
3: He almost had three last week.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. one should have been Baldwin's though. So <laughs> the one he took from Baldwin. That's true. So That's true. so we, it kind of equals out. I'm <laughs> yep. not, that I ball am. was for sure. Russ may never admit it, but he was throwing that ball to Baldwin.
3: Hey, Russ is just—he's absurd right now. Tanner I mean,
1: McAvoy's catching fifty-yard passes. It doesn't even oh matter, man. Oh my god, yo,
3: he—it was another week where we talked about it last week. How he really should have had like six touchdowns against the Giants. But yeah. it was another week like that. And he had four, but he had one. Rawls dropped one. And he had another one that was uh, – I mean, he just threw it in, like, the smallest possible window. It's a Paul Richardson. And, well, I mean, they. I think they scored later Didn't on Jimmy that same possession. One? Didn't Jimmy yeah, drop it, one
2: that week too? Or he dropped two? Jimmy yeah, dropped the, two the, week, the before, week against the
1: Giants.
3: The, the, yeah. the week before. And they had a, a 30-yard touchdown that was nullified by penalty in that game. I mean, he's mm-hmm. just – he's. he's he's absurd right now And, and you you want to have at least some level of exposure to him doesn't even matter the opponent right now I don't think I mean he went to the Giants and wrecked them you know that's that's not easy to do I know the Giants have underperformed this year but that's not typically a spot where you would want to to play Russell Wilson and then he just destroyed the Texans I mean he's you, you you want to have him on, you know, in, in some of your fantasy lineups, for sure.
2: Yeah, I think that was one of the rare re- weeks that none of the Giants cornerbacks were suspended. So it was a really big deal for him to uh, <laughs> crush in that game. You know, you mentioned Jimmy Graham and how he's too cheap. Evan, he's 5K this week. And I think had he caught those two touchdowns wow. in that game against the Giants. He had two last week. Yeah, I mean, he w- we would be looking at him being 6,500. I think he's one of the clear values on this slate. And. I mean, once again, you know you know, he's safe for five or six targets minimum. You know he's going to see a couple in the red zone. This is a great offense. Washington can't defend a tight end. It, I mean, this is just kind of another spot like T.Y. Hilton where I'm just going to load up, and if it, it if it doesn't work out, I can live with that because the spot absolutely. and the price, yeah, absolutely. like whatever. I mean, it's just too good. What about on the Washington side, Rich? Because, again, Seattle, last week nobody wanted to play Deshaun Watson because everybody said, "Well, oh, this secondary too good, and then we just saw Watson just absolutely open. It's a big total. Washington on the road, they should have to throw a bunch. Reeves, any interest in this Redskins offense?
1: I mean, I I do think that if, if you look at the where Houston had success last week, I don't think Washington's capable of doing that. Uh, you know, Watson's legs were a big problem in that game, extending plays and taking vertical shots. And the the worst part of the Washington offense so far this year. Uh, the most has been the wide receiver play. I mean, they don't have anybody that you have faith in, like getting downfield and beating anyone. Jameson Crowder had his best game of the year. Now he's hurt. He's not practicing with a hamstring injury. I think you can look at Chris Thompson still. He's he's the safest guy. He played 80% of the snaps last week. They finally just realized they'd have to have him on the field. Uh, part of that was game script induced last week, but they were kind of within a score the whole game. He's just their best player on offense at this point. And given Jordan Reed's being out, I mean, Vernon Davis is in play, as well. It's not a sensational matchup by any means, but I mean, Vern Davis comes with like. Like upside appeal. I mean, he's had he averages 12 PPR points in a game in the five games Jordan has missed. He's had 9.7 or more in four of those five. And when you're talking about splash playability, since he joined Washington last year, he has 17 catches of 20 or more yards, which is only behind Rob Gronkowski at 20 and Travis Kelsey at 23 for all tight ends. The NFL. So, there, so there's <laughs> yeah, there is upside, yeah. So, I mean, like, I'm a I'm like you guys, but so I think that that's like Vern. Vern would be the guy I would entertain burn, just based on, big the, burn. based on the position he plays <laughs> and, the, and his cost.
2: I'll tell you what, it, may, it might be another double tight end week. I kind of made fun of everybody last week that said that until I started building lineups. And yeah. I go, oh god, all these guys are just way too. But I ended up loading up on Jordan Reed. Now, hindsight obviously being 2020, maybe playing injury-prone Jordan Reed outdoors as chalk when it's raining mm. it the greatest idea I've ever had.
3: But
2: yeah, no, I can get behind some Vernon Davis. Who want to watch him in, in pursuit of
3: it? Vernon, Vernon damn Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I love Vernon oh, Davis, no. man. He's, he's awesome. He's an old man, <laughs> he's, he, but he can, he can run, you know, he's like, he's like the tight end version of Larry Fitzgerald, you know, and people hate him. I mean, I remember uh, uh, ahead of that Ra- Ra- uh, that Raiders game, I was like yeah. – I, tweet- I tweeted about him, and I was like, you know, he he's going to get the start this week. You know, he was like fourth among tight ends in 20-plus yard receptions the, the year before. And people were like, he sucks. He sucks. And he was like, you know, a top four fantasy tight end on the week. Uh, uh, I don't think Earl Thomas is going to play this week, by the no. way. He, he pulled up. Uh, with a uh, with a hamstring injury I think it was on DeAndre Hopkins long touchdown last week he did not practice today Uh, he's had hamstring injuries in the past and uh, I don't think he's going to play so that is if he doesn't play and right now I don't think that he will that could change you know by tomorrow Mm -hmm. but uh, that that helps open up the middle of the field so I, I don't – and Jamison Crowder was out with a hamstring today. I don't want to mess around with that. I mean, I, I, I would probably play him like in a season-long league right now, but I don't want to mess around with that. You know, he's had hamstring and hip problems all year. He did have a great game last week. Uh, his usage was, levels were way, way up, uh, but don't really want any, any part of him. Um, I think it's Russ. I think it's Jimmy Graham. I think it's Doug Baldwin, and I think it's uh, – uh, VD Vernon Davis Urban. in this game. And
2: Chris Thompson.
3: All right. And and Seahawks defense as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have no problem with that. If I wasn't going to play so much of the Houston defense. There's some great defense man on the board this week.
3: Yeah, there I are I don't know who, to, I don't know who j- to pick from. Jaguars are about to wreck. Jaguars are gonna it's gonna get up.
1: Jaguars, ugly. Eagles, Houston, yeah. See, you know, I, I want, mean all like, these are just oh,
2: I was doing a show earlier today and somebody mentioned, well, the Jaguars, I like Joe Mixon, this week because the Jags haven't been, that, or they've been bad against the run. Line. I said they haven't been that bad. They're just bad compared to the passing. And now they have Marcel Darius. I, I'll tell you what, Evan, we'll just sidetrack real quick. Going forward, what do you think of this Jags run defense? Uh,
3: well, here's the thing. I don't think that they're going to give up a lot of points. So they may give up a good yards per carry average. You know, and that's something that we'll end up talking about and I'll write about every single week. But I still don't think that, you know, Joe Mixon is like a smash this week. You know, Marcel Darius also played on a lot of Bill's defenses that their run defenses weren't very good. Uh, So he's not necessarily a game changer. uh, But... I just – I don't want to really attack the Jaguars' defense in general. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to be giving up a lot of points. They, they, what matters in the NFL is what you do to the quarterback. And they will hit the shit out of your quarterback, and they will sack your quarterback. I mean, they lead the, – they already had their bye, and they still lead the team, lead the NFL in quarterback hits and sacks. And they just added Marcel Darius. Their defensive line right now is Calais Campbell – Malik Jackson, Marcel Darius, Dante Fowler, who was the fourth pick in the draft a couple of years ago, and Yannick Ngakwe, who can get after the the quarterback. That's they just, have uh, a stupid, stupid offensive line right now, and the Colts could, or the Bengals could barely pass protect against the friggin' Colts <laughs> last week. So. Good good luck this week Andy Dalton. We were on you last week. You gave us a, a top 5 quarterback week. Goodbye. You know, we are not, we we are streaming a defense against you this week.
2: <laughs> yeah and uh yeah just fade the bangles There's how a- many
3: how many joe Mixon
1: smash weeks do we need before we we finally say that it's not gonna happen yeah, I,
2: i've heard this every week
1: uh-huh. and he's fine like he's a fine rb2 in seasonal leagues like the players yeah. are rb2 and like he's fine he's getting he's getting the volume and he's and the way the landscape is but like when we're talking about like dfs like if he doesn't have that 60 yard screen catch fan last week i know it's a cut of wish thing like that game's a total bust like for everyone that played him like you know, I those, I mean, he's not really a dude, like I'm actively like trying to get in DFS lineups no matter what his price is. No. I'm, so, I'm already sick of Joe Mixon. Like
2: uh, I'm just sick of hearing about him. People like I don't know why people want to talk about this guy, maybe threaten to beat him up. I don't know how that works, but like it's just I'm just fading Joe Mixon. Like, okay, you Joe Mixon people can go have fun. All right, let's talk about our last game. It's the Chiefs and the Cowboys. 51 point total. It's a pick'em game. And Reeves, I keep looking at And maybe I'm delusional. I can't help but think that this game is going to go a little bit overlooked, even though it's the highest total. There's no Zeke, obviously. Kansas City, nobody really likes rostering the players there other than a Tyreek Hill or a Kareem Hunt. What do you think about this game, Reeves?
1: Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think that uh, what happened is that because the Chiefs have been like the, the best offense in the NFL all year, but no one likes playing any of these guys this game outside of what would have been Ezekiel Elliott. And with Ezekiel being out, it would normally create like this awesomely chalk, you know, play here. But no one has a damn clue who's going to get handoffs in Dallas. They all could get handoffs. It could be one guy, you know, they could start the game with Alfred Morris. He could not perform. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, and it could be in Latavius Murray situation where he starts but isn't effective and then McFadden comes in. His versatility is something that's a plus. They could even give Rod Smith a drive and he could rip it up. I mean, Rod Smith's the guy that's fit their scheme, you know, tremendously because it is a game where you'd want to target the running back. The Chiefs run defense is abysmal. I mean, they are 31st in the league in percent of runs that go for five or more yards. They're 32nd in the league in percent of runs that go for 10 or more yards. They're 26th in the league in stuff rate. Like, they're, the Cowboys are going to run the football. We just don't know if it's going to be a hodgepodge, one guy. Or what? So I mean, it takes away that that spot where we were really going to be attracted to, and no one's really liked to play Des Bryant so far this year because he's been so touchdown dependent. He's gone over 70 yards just one time. I think it is a spot where I want to own some Des Bryant though, because we talked about what we targeted the Chiefs last week. Now they benched uh, Mitchell and Phillip Gaines. Our boy Philly G finally got got the bench last week. But, I mean, you're still you're still going to want to target the slot and, and left side of the Chiefs' defense, and that's where Bryant's going to be for about 75% of his routes. Um, and we're going to be – we might be asked that if Dak Prescott more on his shoulders now. Dak Prescott may be forced to throw more. We might get a situation where Dak can give us that little bit of Russell juice because yeah. I think Dak has that in him. Yeah. He just hasn't had the opportunity yet. Listen, Dak is a baller, and if we're going to give Dak some volume, like he can do a lot of that, especially against his defense that has been bad. But um, – uh, I think it's an interesting game. I think that no one wants to play out. Smith still, even though he, he's awesome every week, he's the only quarterback to ever have 15 or more touchdowns and no interceptions at this point in the season and ever in NFL history. Uh, he's completely fine. He's running. He's got more rushing yards than he had last year altogether. Uh, Kareem Hunt's going to be interesting because no one wants to play Kareem Hunt because of the touchdown regression he's had. You know, he had three touchdowns, over 50 yards or more to start. We knew that wasn't going to happen again. But think about how good the Chiefs offense is and how many points they're scoring weekly. They've run four plays, four plays inside the five yard line over their past five games with all these points going. That's why the touchdowns have dried up for Premont because you rush for touchdowns the closer you get to the end zone, and the Chiefs are, are still bypassing that area of the field. For a team that's scoring this many points, there's gonna be some regression there where the Chiefs have actual goal line opportunities to give to him that they don't let, you know, Tyree kill throw passes.
2: You know, I Evan touched on something that I keep thinking whenever I look at this game. I say, all right, is it going to be Alf? Is it going to be Darren McFadden? I think it's going to be Dak this week. I mean, this is what these teams have been doing. We know Marcus Peters. He stays on one side of the field. So they've been running. All these teams have been running their number one wide out to the other side. Are they going to force the ball to Terrence Mitchell? No. I, to me, it's just a Dak. You
3: mean Terrence Williams. Terrence Williams, Terrence
2: Williams. yeah, not Terrence Mitchell. Well, they, uh, let's be honest though, if Terrence Mitchell was playing, they would force the ball to him too.
3: Absolutely. But, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a Dak to Dez week. And I know we talked about this, the Houston passing attack we like, we like for us. I see Dak and Dez as a high floor and a high ceiling option this week.
3: Yeah, I really like them both. I'm definitely going to have a lot of Dak, Dez stacks. Um, Des or Dak. I mean, this is a great, great spot for him. So, the Chiefs are a defense that I think a lot of people still fear, and they have limited uh, opponent point production against them at Arrowhead Stadium. But on the road, they've given up 27 or more in six of their last seven games. All their metrics are really, really bad. Their run defense has fallen off a cliff since the first two games of the season over their last six games. They've given up 4.8 yards per carry to opposing RBs. They're 31st in run defense DVOA. Uh, So I like to me, for me, Alfred Morris is very much in play. I think on FanDuel at 5,600. I'm not going to probably play him in cash, but you know he he frees up. You know that that's one of the ways that you can get to Deshaun Watson if you want to do one of those um, onslaughts with the Texans. Uh, but for Dak, you know, again the, the Chiefs give up a ton of points in road games. Uh, the Chiefs have also given up, so they play man coverage. So what happens when teams play man coverage is, you know, with, like when on passing downs they will. Uh, you know, the, the, the back seven players will turn their backs to the quarterback and that will end up uh, leaving open a lot of uh, gaps uh, for a running quarterback like Dak Prescott. And therefore, the Chiefs, they gave up like top three in rushing yards to quarterbacks last year. They've given up the fifth most rushing yards to quarterbacks this year. Dak Prescott, again, he's been a very high floor play. He wasn't a, a floor play last week. You know, that, that game didn't really work out for him. That well, Uh, but in six of his uh, seven games, he's been a top twelve fantasy producer. And we've seen the spiked weeks this year uh, that we did not necessarily see last year. And now this offense is going to fall more on his shoulders, as you guys have both mentioned. And I mean, I thought that Reeves did a great job of breaking down um, Des. I I love Des this week. Now I want to throw out a sleeper, and I want to get your take on him, Reeves. And then I want to get your reaction, Crane. Okay. Okay. Demarcus.
1: Yeah, you brought him up uh, last week to me. It's tough. He had a lot of targets the week before. Um, well, I
3: mean, we weren't really going to use him against Denver, though.
1: No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, um, yeah. My my only thing is 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 that we're still talking the third option in the Kansas City offense. Uh, fourth, oh, the fourth option. Uh, and Dallas, really, for as bad as they've been, like they're just like receivers have not put up big games on them, and they faced a lot of good receivers on the on the slate, and they kind of did this last year too. And I couldn't really pinpoint why. I don't know, if it's just mm-hmm. the team's run on them. They limit possessions as an offense. Uh, there are a lot of reasons to try to you know skirt around the actual reason why. Um, but they just don't give up production. I mean, I'm not going to push back on anyone's you know min price receiver though. I mean, by any means, and especially in a game that we expect to be high scoring. So I mean, yeah. But for all means, you know, take take a swing, take a swing on it.
3: All right. So let me give my my argument for him. Okay, and then Crane, we can get you know your your millionaire reaction. All right. So uh, I, I went back and looked at just all the complementary receivers, not the number ones. Who have gone up against the the Cowboys so far? Okay, Jamison Crowder nine for one twenty three, Marquise Goodwin four for eighty, Devontae Adams seven for sixty six two touchdowns, Manuel Sanders six for sixty two two touchdowns, Cooper Cup five for sixty a touchdown, Sterling Shepard seven catches, Jerron Brown two for twenty seven and a touchdown. Demarcus Robinson is playing in the game with the highest total on the slate. You don't have to worry about whether it's at Jerry World. Um, And Demarcus Robinson, since Chris Conley tore his Achilles, he's played 91%, 98%, and 81% of the offensive snaps. And Albert Wilson, did he get hurt last week? Did Albert Wilson? Okay, They both did. But Robinson came back. Robinson came back. Okay. So if Albert Wilson is out this week, I think we need to be talking about De- Demarcus Robinson. He's min price on FanDuel. He's thirty-two hundred on DraftKings. Again, I, I don't. I'm not going to say everything that I just said again. It was great. I I, I I think that he is very much <laughs> worth discussion.
2: Okay, so here's my reaction to this. These are the kind of games where I try. I mean, you guys have heard this spiel from me before. Mm-hmm. I try and get exposure to players in these games who are going to see a bunch of snaps. And like that's the key, like Evan, you just said he mm-hmm. saw over ninety percent of the snaps in two games over 81 percent in the third game. So, like to me, you've got a guy here seeing a bunch of snaps, the defense isn't gonna be keying in on him, and he's minimum price, so you're not losing that much if he goes for ten or eleven or twelve points. Like, I mean, you're probably not looking at like a thirty point or anything, but sure I just wanna get exposure. This is a game I'm probably no kidding, gonna have exposure to on every single team
3: I build this week. Are I'm you gonna, gonna are I'm going to put bet on the slate? over in this game right now. Do it. it can this be our Muhammad Sanu, Crane?
2: <laughs> sure. Why not Demarcus Robinson, get the jersey, build the plaque.
3: Not, not if you tell everyone. Not if you tell everyone about it. No, no one watches our show. No one watches our show. <laughs> You're <Yeah>, right. <laughs> oh,
2: right. Oh, man. Yeah, sure, Demarcus Robinson. You know, it is funny, though, because – When we first started talking about this game, Reeves, you mentioned that, well, nobody wants to play the Chiefs guys. We've just got done talking. We've spent like 10 seconds talking about Kareem Hunt, about a minute and a half, which is definitely longer than I expected to spend on Demarcus Robinson. We haven't (laughs) talked about Travis Kelsey or even mentioned him.
1: Yeah, because you know what you're getting, man. I mean, it's I mean, he's got the most hundred-yard receiving games in the NFL over the past two years. Uh, you know, he's he's just completely smashed, you know, is every game that they have remembered he's on a team, you know, he's <laughs> smashed. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, what's, I mean, listen, Kelsey, if you always got the money to pay, especially because this week at tight end, I mean, no Gronk. We've got Ertz in a great spot as well. But I mean, it's always if you can if you can always fit him in. he's He's always a great play.
2: All right. So let's talk about the trade deadline. You mentioned that Ertz is in a nice spot. Another guy in a nice spot this week. That's Jhi. Unfortunately, we can't play him on the main slate because he got traded after prices been posted. But there were two big trades as far as DFS chips go. Jhi, he goes to the Eagles. Kelvin Benjamin, he goes to the Bills. Evan, which trade interests you the most?
3: So I want to. Like, I like. Already have a very strong take about Kelvin Benjamin. I want. I want to throw this one to Reed because I want to get his take on Kelvin Benjamin.
1: I have a very strong take that's definitely going in the opposite direction of yours.
3: Ooh, okay.
1: <laughs> we don't do okay. this often. I mean, my biggest problem with the people trying to draw the the correlation causation to Cam Newton's, you know, big 2015 season to Kelvin Benjamin being out. Oh, is, no,
3: whoa, whoa. D- I mean, oh. d- that's not... That's not where I stand, but but, but oh, okay. continue. Okay, okay.
1: But still, for for anyways, for everyone that has dropped that out there, I mean that that's false for a lot of reasons. I mean, one, we're assuming that that during that season when Cam Newton had the exact same peripheral production that he's had his entire career, same completion percentage, same yards per attempt, uh, you know, same yards per completion, he just had a seven percent touchdown rate. We're one assuming that that happened because Calvin Benjamin was off the field. Two, we're assuming that Kelvin Benjamin wouldn't have smashed like everyone else that offense. Uh, and you, you know, um, three, we can't assume that, that, that this offense is particularly going to revert to that offense. I don't think there's absolutely any chance it does of happening that way because – you, you're taking now a redundant asset off the field, but you're putting another redundant asset on the field. So you're getting rid of a, a, an overlap of Funchess and Benjamin, but now you're adding an overlap of McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel. And they're going to play Curtis Samuel at the Z, but Curtis Samuel was one of the prospects I've spent a lot of time with, and he is not a true wide receiver yet. He is a more of a Percy Harvin type of receiver. He's he's got pretty awful hands, uh, to be honest. I, I, I don't think that he's going to hit the ground running as a guy that they're just going to give this allotment to snaps to, and he's going to open up the their offense the other thing is that they're just jamming an unnecessary amount of opportunity into Christian McCaffrey and it's really hindered their offense and especially because they can't run the football if you're going to be a team that that wants to run those types of option plays you have to be a team that can one threaten threaten defensively on the ground and Carolina just can't do that right now um Cam Newton's average depth of target is 20th in the league. It was first in the NFL last year when he was terrible. It was second in the NFL when he was awesome in 2015. It was eighth year before that. This is a team that is just has really no true offensive identity. And they think that they're going to try to revert back to something that worked for them without the pieces they had that worked for it or the situation did. When it was kind of, you know, a once, uh, you know, it, it, in one pull out of serial box. Reason for Cam Newton, anyways. He's never going to have a touchdown rate that high again. And the only thing that really drives me nuts is they're probably going to be good the next few weeks because their schedule is a joke. And people are going to just, and people are going to talk about that. See, it was, the, it's all because they did this. And it's going to drive me absolutely insane.
3: No, no, no. That, that's, that's not where, where I stand. And I'm, I'm 100% with you. I mean, Ted Ginn scored 10 touchdowns that year. You, you know, like it's not, everything went right for them that, that year. They had the softest schedule in the NFL. You know, I, what I really wanted to get was your take about Kelvin Benjamin on the Bills. Oh, not, about, that? not that, oh, <laughs> Cam Newton is, not that, you know, I, I didn't like, I wasn't like hoping to hear that, oh, Cam Newton's going to explode because Kelvin Benjamin's gone now. It,
2: Reeves goes I to the next level. He can't help it. I know, team. I know. He, just, he gets no.
3: fired up. I Reeves, love it when Reeves rolls. gets emotional, you know, <laughs> when he puts aside the spreadsheets and he just goes all in, you know. But what do you think about Benjamin on the Bills?
1: Uh, I typically have one, I, I talk about it. I don't, I don't like receivers that, I don't like receivers that change teams in the offseason, have a full allotment of time to acclimate themselves. So I'm definitely not going to be thrilled about the prospects of a wide receiver that, you know, changed team in season. Um, and, and Benjamin's a guy that doesn't really fit what I think this offense wants to do, this West coast offense, or really what Tyrod Taylor does. So, I mean, I think that he could be a guy that could score some touchdowns. I think it's a bummer for Benjamin because he's playing the best football of his career. He's having the most consistent season that he's had in the NFL, and it's been uprooted. And I know a lot of people think it's a lateral move for him, but for fans' purposes, I, I probably think it's a downgrade just for all the reasons that, um, like I said, I'm going to play the base rate on these guys. And the base rate suggests that when guys change teams uh, and you know change quarterbacks, it, they just typically don't perform well. And we're going to add layer that on that he's, it's a shorter window to acclimate himself.
3: Yeah, this has been his best season so far. He's uh, top 12 in the NFL in yards per route run, which has uh, proven to be a very uh, useful statistic at Pro Football Focus and a predictive statistic. Uh, in addition to the fact that uh, wide receivers tend to struggle when they change teams in the offseason, let alone midseason, uh, he's going from a team that averages five more pass attempts per game than the team now joining. I mean, the Bills are – second from the bottom in the league in pass attempts per game. And Tyrod Taylor has never been a guy who tries to throw to receivers that are covered. And Kelvin Benjamin is always covered. You have to trust your, you know, your, your receiver to win. Kelvin Benjamin is the the antithesis, the opposite of a separation receiver. uh, Tyrod had some chemistry with Sammy Watkins. He was a separation receiver, Charles Clay is an athletic separation tight end, and he will be come back, coming back shortly. Uh, but I, I, I think it's a I, – I mean, I don't want to go so far as to say it was a bad move by the Bills. They're trying to compete. It was a lot to give up, I think, uh, for, for a player of Kelvin Benjamin's caliber, despite the fact that he is having a good season. Um, but I, I think it's horrible for fantasy. I mean, and I own him in a couple of seasonal leagues, and I'm, like, legitimately worried.
1: Well, Brandon you know, Bean was there when they drafted him, right? I mean, he was
3: yeah,
1: – Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it all circles back to, to a guy that, you know, he was. He might have been in on the whole draft process of why they selected him. So what about Ajayi
2: to the Eagles? Because the Eagles suddenly have this offense, and I understand that Garrett Blunt's been fine this year, but – and the GM came out earlier today and he said, well, LeGarrette Garrett Blunt's still the starter, blah, blah. Garrett Blunt ain't going to be the starter. Evan, how do you think Ajayi fits in with the Eagles?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, so, like, front office and coaching types will say things in the media in order to try to, like, keep the locker room in order. They're always very concerned about, you know, the locker room dynamic, as they should be. Um, and I'm sure that those are, you know, difficult things to juggle. But Jay Ajayi, and I don't think either of these guys are in play this week against Denver in particular, but... You know, we uh, can can't, sort of like
2: play them, guys. Do not roster them; They you won't get points.
3: Yeah, just consider them like an O next to their name. You you can't play. Oh, oh you actually can't play them.
2: No, yeah, no. If a guy gets traded yeah. after salaries are released, you don't get points for them. So they're going yeah. to the the
3: floor. Yeah, do not play J.H.I.E. Or, yeah. or Jimmy Garoppolo for goodness sakes. Um, but I, I think <laughs> like that Jaijai is going to be. You're playing,
2: if you're playing a head-to-head against me, go ahead and play Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> Why not? Uh, uh,
3: <laughs> uh, but Jay Ajayi, I mean, I think he's eventually going to emerge as you know. And there are a lot of debates like about his talent on, on Twitter all the time, like among like very smart people. Uh, but it's just you know, a running back is just always come and go. You know, it's always come and go with with a running back's talent, especially when they don't produce in the passing game. Now, running backs that can produce in the passing game, they're usually like uh, independent of. Uh, their situation typically, you know, they have a much better chance, but JJ doesn't produce in the passing game. I know he caught a lot of passes at Boise state. I remember when he was coming out of college, I expected him to be good in the passing game. He's been atrocious. So, uh, you know, I don't, the Eagles will give him an opportunity there and maybe he will, you know, the change of scenery or something will help. Maybe it was a confidence issue. He was dropping so many balls in Miami. Uh, but I think that he's going to eventually emerge uh, as as the, the the Eagles' clear-cut feature back. He's just he's better at football than Legarrette Blount. Legarrette Blount is so limited, and um, I, I mean Jhj is going to beat him out. They they don't give up a fourth-round pick during the season for Jhj without the intention of eventually installing him as a dude who they're hoping will give them sixteen to twenty, maybe twenty plus uh, r- rushing attempts per game.
2: Do you think he fits in with Philly?
3: Yeah, I mean, what you,
1: he's going from the offense that produced the least amount of combined skill fantasy points for fantasy players uh, to the team that's eighth in the NFL. So it's, it's an upgrade. And Ajayi's a guy I went hard on in the offseason for a full fade. So I'm a little nervous that people are going to start coming back on those tweets confided me you know uh, you know for 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 completely it's, different reasons than you're what a, they want to
2: click on their profile and there it's only going to be tweets to evan about deshaun watson and tweets to you about jay that's all for they're
1: completely find. it could be for completely different reasons than uh why people like JJ. but if, it, if the results get there that's all that's all that will matter yep. but he's so he's, he's trading a better situation but probably less opportunity even though that i do he's gonna beat out like Eric blunt but i mean he was a guy that was just dominating such a high volume of his backfield you know usage i mean 87 percent of the Miami rushing attempts for, uh, for running backs uh, on the roster that was fifth best in the NFL that's still that's probably not going to happen here uh the other question is you know who who is the guy still getting the money touches uh you know is he going to get used in the passing game we don't know because he hasn't been good like Evan said is he going to be used on the goal line we don't know. They've got a guy that you know they can use on the goal line, and and he was and Ajayi was a guy that the Dolphins went out of their way to use Damian Williams near the goal line last year. Uh, you know, Ajayi, I, I tweeted out last week. He's got two touchdowns over his past 16 games. So I mean, it's 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 just going to be interesting. I think we just need to let it breathe for a little bit and see what happens. If I owned Ajayi in season long. I would be happy with the trade because he was just in a miserable climate, and it. And obviously, uh, obviously now it was a lot of turmoil underneath the hood that we really weren't cognizant of. Uh, it was basically a toxic situation, you know, for performance. So I mean, I would be excited uh, that he would be, you know, getting a boost just by the you know, offensive situation, playing with a good quarterback and a good offense. But uh, I want to let it breathe a little bit before I get excited and start thrusting the DFS lineup all
2: right uh let's talk about some bounce back candidates because i have one no 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 no, no.
3: There, we need to talk a little bit more about the trade deadline
2: oh go for it oh i'm sorry Who else did we okay. miss? We, well, i wanted
3: to get so reeves lives in ohio i wanted to get his take oh. on the browns <laughs> and i love this story i also want to give my take on the browns because i don't i don't have any other platform to to talk about the, the browns and so i just i want to <laughs> vent but I also want to hear Reeves because, you know, obviously, I really respect Reeves' analysis. He's a super smart guy, and he, he's in Ohio. So I want to hear what he has to say.
1: Well, I mean, the, the pulse here is that everyone is still support, support supporting Hugh Jackson for some reason, uh, even though, you know, Hugh Jackson has basically shown he, he, he's tipsy stand like he has just no clue what he's doing anymore. Uh, You know the way he's handled the quarterback situation this year has just been dreadful. It's really tricky now. Now he has the ear, presumably, of Jimmy Haslam, where uh, you know Jimmy Haslam—he's kind of Jimmy Haslam's not trusting the, and and for good reason that you know. It's only been a year and a half. The Browns have switched this regime and tried this approach. And a lot of people have have applauded them. And they are a team too that a lot of people have said, like they purposely did not try to lose every game this year. We thought their moves were good this offseason. You know, we thought they bolstered their offensive line. Uh, We thought that they were, you know, that Kenny Britt was going to be a proxy of what Terrell Pryor was. We thought it was, that was going to be fine. They drafted well. I mean, David Njoku looks like a good pick. Uh, They're not playing him, but he looks like a really good draft pick. Um, but when you see guys like Deshaun Watson play well and Carson Wentz play well, the owner is going to look at that and say, we've won one of 21 games since I hired you guys. These two guys you didn't want are falling out. These franchises are on the upswing. How, you know, it, it's all, in the bottom line, it's always going to be results driven. But I mean, for them to just pull the plug in a year and a half into this, it, it's going to be a mistake, man. I know that you're saying how could be a mistake when it's just, you know, they've got one win over two years. But you just keep re, you just keep resetting and don't let anything run its course. You're never and they're gonna because what's what's gonna happen is they're gonna pull the plug and go back to completely something that's been done in the NFL a thousand times over and failed. That's exactly what's gonna happen. Um, so I mean, it's it's kind of frustrating at level because I think that we all wanted to see this work and it's not working. And because it's not working and the results have immediately come, we have no cohesion now between the front office and the coaching staff, which is going to be a a huge rift going forward. Okay. So Evan, you said that
2: you don't have a platform to talk about the Browns on. I think you're on every show. (laughs) I don't know if I believe that, but I'm giving you your platform here, buddy. Talk to me about the Browns. Just, um, well, just, you know, sabotaging (laughs) themselves.
3: So uh, quarterback analysis is really, really hard. It's really easy Mm -hmm. to do in hindsight. It's really easy to do in hindsight. Oh, this guy's good, you know. Oh, oh, why didn't that team draft him, you know? But it's really, really hard to do, and that is borne out in the results. I mean, this off season, I went back and looked at uh, first round quarterback hits over the previous ten years, beginning in uh, 2015, and I considered you know Winston and Mariota both to be hits, and I also considered Jay Cutler and uh, Ryan Tannehill and Sam Bradford to be hits. And the NFL's hit rate over the previous decade was 38.5% on first round quarterbacks. That is just first round quarterbacks. Okay. Everyone is bad at evaluating quarterbacks. There's no one that's actually good at evaluating quarterbacks, Uh, but everyone can evaluate quarterbacks in hindsight. Okay. Everyone can do that. And everyone also thought that Josh Freeman was good early in his career everyone thought that Blake Bortles was good after two seasons. Uh, so, you know, I, I mean the, the, the quarterback like hindsight takes are complete BS to me. Um, what everyone was saying, uh, entering this draft was that the quarterbacks were terrible. Don't take any of them. Mitchell Trubisky, what are the bears doing trading up to, to secure him? You know, um, People weren't as outspoken against Deshaun Watson, although there were some serious concerns about him coming out of college. He, uh, you know, he was a one one read passer at Clemson. He was surrounded by a great deal of talent. He had, you know, really low arm velocity. Uh, He, you know, is not an accurate passer even to this day. Uh, So all that is hindsight. He fell to the 12th pick in the draft. If he was such a lock, he would have certainly gone in the top three, Patrick Mahomes hasn't even gotten on the field yet. Um, you also love
2: Patrick Mahomes, though. Oh, I I love Patrick. Mahomes. I know, me I mean, No, That's no, no, you're no, like, no you know, question.
3: He, he no no question. Like, oh, we love. So the Browns' Mahomes. coaching staff moves have been almost like bordering on sabotage yeah. of, of this of the. I mean, it, it's like they are trying to rebel against the front office. It, it's it's that bad. Their handling of Deshaun Kaiser. So they put, they essentially Hugh Jackson asked Deshaun Kaiser from the get go, from the jump to do things that Carson Palmer was doing at age like 33. And they were asking Deshaun Kaiser who played two years at Notre Dame uh, and was like a project coming out of college. They put everything on his plate. And I mean, look at the time I I was like, wow, you know, I was very impressed. You know, maybe Hugh Jackson thinks, this guy's capable of handling all the, all these things, and obviously he wasn't. And now Hugh Jackson has benched him, what, three times and tried to trade for this weak-armed <laughs> backup, career backup, uh, who was a fifth-round pick uh, of the Bengals. So the quarterback situation, how they've handled it, has been pathetic. They use Jabril Peppers. Uh, they line him up 30 yards off the line of scrimmage and just get murdered by tight ends every single week. OK, and, and that was a hire made by Hugh Jackson. Uh, 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 Greg Williams is the defensive coordinator. He decides to do that. They are 32nd in, or they're they're number one in the NFL in blitz percentage and number two in the NFL in, or number one in the NFL in or number 32 in the NFL in uh, pressure rate. So their blitzes are not working. OK, and that those are coaching staff decisions in Joku doesn't play. You know, he plays like 40% of the snaps each week. They play Rashard Higgins, about 80% of the snaps each week. And it just doesn't make sense. Uh, OJ Howard is in Tampa Bay playing, you know, 70% of the snaps. Evan Ingram is the number one receiver for the Giants. Why is David Njoku not playing? He's obviously, I mean, you, you can't get him on the field over Rashard Higgins, it's difficult. To, to tell David Njoku to go play slot receiver, you know, when your alternative is Rashard Higgins, okay? Duke Johnson, I mean, they are really trying to force the issue with Isaiah Crowell when it's obvious that Duke Johnson is their best playmaker on offense. Duke Johnson, his playing time percentage has gone down every single week. They never even gave a shot to Cody Kessler. I mean, that was clearly a front office pick that – Uh, Hugh Jackson never even gave him a shot. I mean, tried to bury him on the depth chart, even after he moved the offense relatively well in that game against the Titans, they came back and went right back to Deshaun Kaiser. I mean, they like the coaching staff has a thing against Cody, Kessler, even though he's, you know, at least shown some ability to move the offense. They try to trade for AJ McCarron. Okay. And I know that Hugh Jackson, and they try to pay more than the 49ers, Paid for uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I know that you know Hugh Jackson has this history with AJ McCarron, but AJ McCarron can't play. He can't he, he he can't beat out Andy Dalton in Cincinnati. Okay, so he's not your answer. You you can you can you can write that down. AJ McCarron, I think he's a fine backup in the NFL, probably like a top ten or top five backup even, but he's not your answer. He can't play over Andy Dalton in Cincinnati. Uh, and I also think that there is like a legitimate national media narrative, uh, that is anti Browns because, uh, reporters. So they, they get all their information from guys who work in the league. Okay. So guys who work in the league are terrified of the Browns and what they want to happen is those guys to be Uh, with the Browns organization to be perceived as a joke. Like they're obviously incompetent. There's nothing more than they, that they want than the the, the Browns front office to be perceived as incompetent because if new ideas come into this uh, good old boys league, then that will change the game. It'll change the game. Teams will start going forward on fourth down. Teams will start using like, you know, data and analytics to evaluate the draft teams will get better at, at drafting Uh, you know, and all these guys, so in the NFL, it's such a good old boys league because like people who are legitimately bad at their jobs will keep getting jobs just because they know other people in the league. It's like a, it's like a cocoon and you don't break into it unless you actually like know somebody in there. And so, uh, you know, and they don't want that to change. They want their their cocoon to remain a cocoon and they don't want new ideas and they don't make optimal decisions and they and they get like the, the efficiency of their decision making is pathetic. And so if a if some if like new ideas came into this league, uh, you know, all that would change and a bunch of guys would lose their jobs because, you know, there are a ton of scouts that are just terrible. I mean, scouting is like almost impossible if if all you're looking at is film. I mean, I'm sure that there are some guys with like a natural, innate knack for, uh, you know, identifying talent, but very, very few. I mean, that's really, really difficult to do. Uh, So, and, you know, all these reporters are getting their information from league uh, people who all they want is for the Browns to fail so that, uh, and and I'm telling you right now what's going to happen, Okay. What is going to happen is football – okay, so these guys are going to get removed. Football guys are going to come in. They're going to have all these freaking draft picks. They're going to have these two drafts that uh, the the front office just crushed. And they crushed the 2017 draft. I think they did well in the 2016 draft. Uh, I mean, they have a a bunch of players that are – I mean, a lot of dudes that are contributing right now. Uh, but in the 2017 draft, they got a lot of really good players. And so what's going to happen is all these uh, all these front office guys are going to get removed in Cleveland, and these football guys are are going to replace them, and they are going to get all the credit for, uh, you know, for the ascension of the Browns. And, and that's how things are going to go, and the league is going to love it because, you know, it's going to re- reprove that, uh, you know, Our way works, and we don't need any new ideas. And that's end of rant.
2: Okay, well, let's go to bounce backs.
3: I need a shower.
2: I don't know how to segue from that.
1: That was hot. I need a shower, man. Yeah,
2: I know. I was like,
1: whoo, this hoodie was a bad
2: idea for this. All right, let's talk about bounce backs. It's definitely not going to be anybody on the Browns for this season, this game, or any season over the next 10 years. Um, I have a bounce back right now. I think it is going to be the Saints passing offense against Tampa, especially if Brent Grimes. We've talked a bunch about some quarterbacks. We've talked about Deshaun Watson. We've talked about Dak. We have talked about Russ. We have talked about Jacoby Brissett. We've talked about Alex Smith. I cannot help but think that Drew Brees at home, even against the Saints secondary that's banged up, Brent Grimes didn't practice today, I think Drew Brees could have 35 points at 5% ownership this week.
1: Yeah, mine was going to be the Saints passing game. Yes! (laughs) I did it! I did
2: something (laughs) right, baby doll!
1: Uh, And and for a lot of reasons we talked about with Kareem Hunt, too. So we've got this offense that is still producing an elite level, the Saints offense. They're still scoring a lot of touchdowns. Uh, What has happened is they've got a functional defense now. And they've got a running game that can smash. We we've we talked about their offensive line all offseason and how it was good and that this was going to be a good running team and it is. Um, but since the bye week, they have they have scored ten touchdowns. Sixty percent of them have been rushing. League average for rushing touchdowns is thirty percent. Drew Brees is still producing yardage. He's still like he didn't even have an incompletion that game until like halfway through the third quarter. Um, it, it's the touchdowns are going to come because they're moving the ball and scoring touchdowns. They're just keep getting on the doorstep where it's the product of getting these short touchdown runs. These are going to turn into passing touchdowns and it's, it's a great spot for them to turn into passing touchdowns. In Tampa Bay, their back end is hurt. They can't rush the passer. They're league worst in NFL and sack rate. The saints are first in sack rate. It's going to have all day to throw. Uh, all these guys are smash spots. Ted Ginn has been producing four weeks in a row now. He is really cheap. He's a guy you can fit in the lineups. that have no problem playing Ted Ginn and like any type of format. Uh, Michael Thomas. A lot of people are disappointed at Michael Thomas. Yep, I'm
3: They're getting like, that too.
1: Like, why, dude? Michael Thomas has seven or more catches in four of his past five games. He's he's not getting these twenty point weeks, but he's been in the wide receiver thirteen or higher in four of his past five games too. Like, he's been giving you wide receiver one production on the landscape of wide receiver production. Like, people are like sad about it. Um, it's it's kind of frustrating. But I, I listen, he's he's gloriously priced. I want all those guys in the lineups. And just real quick, because I know that we're a little bit against time, but uh, one guy we didn't talk about in that trade deadline piece that is going to be a better beneficiary this week is Devin Funchess, where he's priced on both sites. He's basically a lock for at least 25% of the team targets this week. Uh, he has not produced the past three weeks as the Cam Coaster has gone back down. Uh, Cam, Cam has averaged just 5.1 yards per pass attempt the past three weeks, dead last in the league. But the targets are going to be there. We're talking about, like, volume. Um, I mean, Funches is in a spot to where – you can you can play on like a little bounce back uh, from his production. He's still getting he's still going to push eight to ten targets this game. Evan, who's your bounce back candidate this week?
3: AP Adrian Peterson. Yeah, I yeah. Love
2: there are so many running backs in that exact price range that I love this week. There are, maybe not love loves a little strong, but I, I like like you know we we might go on a second date at some point.
3: <laughs> so. This game is ugly looking, you know, it's, it's ugly Cardinals at the 49ers. uh, The total I think was like open at 39. It's gotten bet down even from that. Um, The 49ers though, they give up uh, 34 rushing attempts per game, most in the league to uh, opposing offenses. And uh, if, you know, Bruce Arians is going to try to keep this Cardinals team competitive in case, you know, I don't know. On the off chance that there's a miracle that they're able to go, you know, finish eight and eight or nine and seven and sneak into the playoffs and get back David Johnson and Carson Palmer, um, he's going to have to put this put the ball in Adrian Peterson's belly because that's his best option right now. Drew Stanton is awful. Uh, he has completed fifty two point seven percent of his passes in his career. I think Tebow is is better than him. Uh, I think that. Uh, I mean, Tebow completed like. I don't know, it was less than 52.7%, but he's got a better yards per attempt average than Drew Stanton. I mean, Drew Stanton is awful. I hope that we see Blaine Gabbert within the next two weeks. I never thought that I would – okay, I hope so. I hope so. I think he could actually salvage Larry Fitz. He loves throwing in between the numbers, high percentage passes. But for now, Adrian Peterson needs to be the guy. And the 49ers' run defense has collapsed over the last two weeks. Giving up 5.2 yards per carry to opposing running backs, three uh, rushing touchdowns in those two games. They lost Eric Armstead to a broken hand; he's on IR, and they lost their other defensive end, Solomon Thomas, the number three pick in the draft, uh, to an MCL sprain. And Reuben Foster, uh, that you know, one of their linebackers who's supposed to be one of their best linebackers, he can't stay on the field due to a variety of injuries. So
2: that's why he fell in the draft, wasn't it?
3: Uh, the injury has been to his ankle, and that was a, a labrum tear in okay. his shoulder. But uh, but yeah, I mean, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. That happens to a lot of Alabama players. I mean, that 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 happens. But the, the key thing here is that uh, both of their defensive ends look like they're going to be out this week. One for sure we will be, and I think it's likely that Solomon Thomas will be. And Adrian Peterson needs to be the engine. Of this Cardinals offense with uh, you know sub Tebow at quarterback.
2: All right, well let's go ahead and hit up the last topic, and I want to do this quick. I know uh, producer David's trying to get out of here. So real quick, give me a few of your wide receiver, running back, tight end, a few of your favorite flex plays, reads that maybe we haven't touched on.
1: I mean, we've basically touched on just about everyone through all these games. I mean, it's a game where the le- like a lot of the league's best offenses are on by, uh, so we've highlighted basically the games that we really like and some of the plays we like. I will say that. You can't play him on DK, but it's okay because he's a better FanDuel receiver, anyways. And Michael Crabtree is in a really great spot. He's priced priced properly uh, to keep to keep uh, going to the well. There, he's at double digit points in every game but one. Uh, Miami's thirty first in, in points per target allowed to wide receivers. I mean, I think Crabtree's in a really great spot on the Sunday night game. Evan, who you got?
3: Oh, so I'm I'm always on Amari. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> so we just
1: play Derek Carr. Yeah, basically... yeah, play Derek
3: Carr. <laughs> no, that Derek Carr's been one of the issues with Amari Cooper. I mean, Derek Carr is like a timid, tentative check down machine right now. And he he's been one of the issues that has been holding back Amari Cooper.
1: Well, what's frustrating is we talked on the show last week, so they they come out in that game against Kansas City and they figure out what they need to do with Amari Cooper, yep. and then last week they didn't do it.
3: Right, right. <laughs>
1: They, they stopped you. They didn't use them in any capacity they did against the against the Chiefs.
2: All right, guys. We got to get out of here. We've gone, we've gone way over. But you know what, Evan? It was worth every single hour of your rant. So, anyways, <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and jump off here. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in to Roto World's DFS Pick Six for presented by Grinders. I'm Eric Crane for Rich Rebar for Evan Silva. We'll see you guys later. Good luck this weekend. Peace.